This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hey everybody, this is A.B. Williamson, linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G-Striker, and fighting in the black shirt and backwards black hat, undefeated middleweight co-host of Steeler Nation, Hunter Homestack. I love it. Love the intro, dude. And middleweight might be a little like pre-COVID. I think I'm firmly <laughs> a heavyweight now. <laughs> oh, Seriously, you're up to heavyweight. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely over 205 right now. Wow. Yeah. You never know to look at you. This, uh, this Zoom yeah, takes, takes 20 good. pounds off you. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so looking at this quick, let's go to Total Sports Enterprises. We got a brand new jersey to give away. Signed jersey right here at the uh, Total Sports Enterprises Twitter. That's at Total Sports ENT. You go there, you retweet this free Juju Smith-Schuster signed Color Rush jersey. You're entered in for a chance to win. Make sure you're also following Total Sports ENT and underscore SN Podcast, which is the Steeler Nation podcast. You do that, you get two chances to win. We're going to know tomorrow who the winner is. It comes up every week. These guys are awesome, Steeler Nation. I hope you guys are hitting up their site at tseshop.com. I know they've got some, uh, a couple um, Heinz Ward's helmets left for like 115 bucks. So they've got specials every day, every Monday after a big win. It's the way to do it. Great thing. And the big touchdown from Juju there, busting through everybody at the goal line. Of course, they highlight it with a free Juju jersey giveaway for this week so good luck Steeler Nation on winning that one good people over there man they're they're always getting like the right guy after game two for a special like Juju is the jersey after that one so it's awesome love it yeah yeah especially since they own everything it's great (laughs) not not a bad thing so oh no it's I guess there was a bungles video uh put up somebody put up a bungles video no I didn't see the bungles video yet but at, at least for you and me Hunter the only thing I can say about this past week's game is I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. And we all get to enjoy now the first time in Steeler nation history going eight and O to start a season, man. How does that feel? That says it all, dude. I mean, you can talk about how ugly it is, how imperfect it is and has been how things are right now. But the bottom line is there ain't no, it doesn't happen by accident in the NFL. It certainly doesn't happen for the Steelers at all until this year. Like you said, first time yeah. in franchise history. So it's an amazing achievement. It, it for sure guarantees absolutely nothing. They got to stay on their game and keep it rolling. But you're eight and oh. If, yeah. if you could rewind to the offseason and say, hey, guys, the Steelers are going to start eight and oh, are you yeah. going to care how it happens? You don't <laughs> no. care. It doesn't matter. You're eight and oh. <laughs> eight and oh is all that's needed. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, so – Obviously, Ben was the story of the game yet again. Steelers down big early, 13 points early in the game. You know, Ben really didn't come alive, it seemed, until he got his legs broken. It's, and it, it was a weird play. You know, knocked him down. You didn't even know if he was going to be able to walk. I mean, it, it, this was like, uh, what was it, Gerard or was it Leftwich, the the – Jacksonville quarterback that busted his knee and like finished was it Leftwich Carson Palmer 
No, I'm thinking might have been left, which early on in his when he first started playing, because I think he did it in college as well, where he oh, hurt maybe. his knee and finished the game on one leg. He did it for both in college. Oh, Leftwich did it for the Jags, yeah. Yes. Did you say Bengals or Jaguars? I thought you said Bengals. I, for I might have. You know me and my COVID head. <laughs> I have no I idea. I can't get anything. I've got so much information in his head. I just want to get it out <laughs> to Steeler Nation as quickly yeah. as possible. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, but so Ben, like, after that moment, stands back up one leg. I'm watching the game. I'm like, you know, what the hell is he going to do? He just goes four for four and hits a pump, solid pump and go to yeah. Washington for the first touchdown of the game, and that – that guy, he's like, he's got to limp back to the locker room and get everything like locked down and, and taped up and shot it up. But hell, that was a, that was a quite a play for him to finish off the half. Dude. It's crazy that we doubt it, even though we've seen, <laughs> like, even though we've seen Ben do this so many times throughout his career, it always seems like, ah, that he's not bouncing back from this one or, Oh, he's not fine. But like, yeah. you just know he'll find a way. If he can be on the field, he'll keep making plays. So it was weird to doubt it. It was funny that the Steelers get a quick turnover after he goes down the tunnel, and then Mason had to finish out the half. It's like, Ben, right. get back out there. Get back <laughs> out. They need you. <laughs> I know. I was thinking the exact same thing. But here I want to do a little bit of a quick film breakdown then of what I just put up today. If I can see it. My gosh, it won't show me all my stuff. When I downsize everything, I can't see the share screen in my Zoom. There it is. There Boom. it is. Got my share screen. So Bro. Steeler Nation here watching us live on Facebook. I'm just going to take you through, like we were saying, here's the first play where he got hit and kind of sandwiched, uh, kind of pushed both legs, like did one of these. So mm -hmm. the his medial collateral on his left leg and his lateral collateral on his right leg looked like they both stretched a little bit. Took the most damage on that left leg. And um, then he came back out, you know, limping up and started playing some more. I mean, the guy was <laughs> – he was just something else. But I want to take you to one more play later in the game. And let me find it here. Here we go. This is a play where it was third and 10. Or first and 10. Actually, I might have the wrong play here. Nope, that was the play after it. Yep, it was third and 10. That was when they got the first down because of this play right here. Let's take it back a skosh. I know, I'm, I'm really good at this teleprompter thing on, on, <laughs> on Zoom. But right here was the uh, roughing the passer on third and 10, which they failed. Uh, he got hit in the face, got hit pretty hard. And that woke him up again because he seemed a little lackluster. Steelers were down by one point. Got hit in the head. What did he do on this drive? The same exact thing he did when he busted his knees. He went four for four, finished that drive with a touchdown. And that was that big drive to Juju Smith-Schuster. Hurting him just activates his full form. It's every, everybody knows this. You don't hurt Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> you wouldn't like him when he's angry. And he, exactly. He's like the incredible Hulk. The more you hurt him, the more you piss him off, the better he gets. And it like, I yeah. even said, I did that breakdown for those two plays on the hidden plays of the week for Steeler nation and the article and the video. So watching that is just like watching back in Baltimore when Haloti Nada gave him like the karate chop to the face and busted his nose in the first quarter. And Ben's like, <laughs> he shook it yeah. off and he's like, he was ready to play then. Anytime Ben gets hit hard, he's, it kind of wakes him up and it's like, okay, he takes it personally. He's, he's like, tough. He's tough, <laughs> he, dude. There's no doubt about it. There's no question he's a tough man. I mean, did you see the size of the tape job on his knee when Ridiculous. he came back out? It was like twice the size. And I don't know if you saw the picture of him so far from yesterday when he had a big wrap on his left knee, a big wrap on his right knee, and then a big wrap on his right elbow as well from just to ice everything down, just keep the swelling down. Cause man, he's, he's starting to take punishment. That was supposed to be our bye week And in the, the words of the immortal movie clerks, we aren't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> nice dude. Rule number one with me. It's funny that it's taken this long for this mm -hmm. to come up. But I don't know movies. I don't know quotes at all. I may everybody gets furious at me when they make a movie quote, and I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't get it. Haven't seen it. But yeah, I never saw Clerks. So sorry, guys. You can roast me in the comments for not seeing Clerks. I'm very used to it. It's okay. Everybody's got a blind spot, man. Yeah. See so, exactly. But of course, we've got another Ben game. Another Ben, you know, epic achievements. This game, 68th, 300 yard passing game. He passes Dan Marino for number six all time Crazy. on that one. And his 34th comeback win, number four all time, passing Marino also and tied with Johnny Unitas. 
Not bad. Not bad company all the way around. Marino, as you know, if you follow the show, I think he's the most talented QB to ever play. The best. Maybe not the greatest, but the best. So passing him. I just wish he was a Steeler. If he was a Steeler, he would have won Super Bowls. He might not have put up all of the big passing marks that he got to do down there, but he would have had Lewis Lips as opposed to Duper. And, man, he's just as talented. So it would have been been a fun team to watch Marino play with those Steelers and probably would have won some championships. I mean, it would have been crazy to go from Bradshaw to Marino. Like, that's not even fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so this week, the top receivers, it kind of got spread around, but it's, it's pretty much the big three now, it seems. It's Juju, Deont, DJ, and, uh, and Chase this week got the big catches, uh, though Eric Ebron and James Washington both came through with some big touchdowns. So ball's getting distributed really nicely. Ray Ray's working in the game, some runs. He got a catch. Um, so Ben is just doing a really good job. Like we were even talking about just distributing that football and getting them to everybody. That's what they got to do. You know, it's been the story of the season. We keep waiting. We keep trying to predict every week who's going to lead in targets. And I don't know that we've been right. I don't, I don't really follow up on it, but it's so freaking hard to predict, but that's think about it from the other team's perspective, from their defensive coordinators perspective. It's, it's hard for them to predict too. So that's the advantage of it. That's, what's making this offense so impossible to contain for a full 60 minutes. I mean, even when things were not good against the Cowboys, there was a part of me that just felt like it was going to click at some point. Like I never seriously felt worried in that game for whatever reason. I mean, being that it was the Cowboys certainly helped, but it it just, you know, when you have that many weapons and Ben Roethlisberger under center, like it's got to change at some point, something's got to give. They obviously figured out the secret sauce when it mattered towards the end. Juju coming up huge. I mean, Juju for me was the standout performer in that game. Uh, Just ridiculous game from him. Statistically good, you know, one of his better games of the year, but just the way he's been consistently stepping up on third down when they need a clutch catch, we said it last week that he's just turning into Heinz Ward, but man, yeah. talk about talk about another step in that direction. You got it. And you got like we were talking about the targets at least for this game. Chase Claypool ended up getting the most targets that game. They were trying to go to to him downfield and since the refs weren't calling tackling Chase Claypool when he's open on a deep pass, uh, <laughs> he had 13 targets which which was higher than DJ and DJ is usually the guy that gets the double digit targets, yeah. but they definitely saw that mismatch. They wanted to go with a height mismatch. They wanted to push that ball downfield and those, you know, three plays downfield could have been flagged. Yeah. But it's sure. but to be converse, you know, they didn't, they kept their hands in their pockets pretty much on all pass interference the entire game. You didn't see, you know, too much of anything pop mm-hmm. up and Give another kudos to the offensive line. I mean, even though Ben got hit on that one play, they didn't give up a sack again. Now, two games in a row, they didn't give up a sack. So that's mm. that's huge. That's it. That's another huge part. And man, they're going to have to play a lot better down the stretch now that you got an even gimpier Ben who's not going to be making plays. But hopefully, Ben can help him out getting that ball out quickly, like he's been doing. True, man. That that would be a huge help. I was I was pretty worried. The hit that his that his knee got injured on when you're watching the broadcast, you could just see the beginning of the hit and then the camera followed the ball down the field. So you couldn't really see what happened. Mm. I thought he was going to get knocked out on that play. The hit to the head was what actually concerned me to the back of his head. Yeah. Oh yeah. When he came back to the other guy. I was surprised they didn't call that too. I mean, it clearly helmet to helmet from the defender on him on a a quarterback nonetheless, but it is Ben, but he got one back later. So there you go. Can't complain too much, but I'm with you, man. The, The pass interference is, Chase, it seems like Chase can be one of those guys that Joe Flacco would have just loved. <laughs> just yeah. let, let me huck yep. it up and you go draw that penalty because that's what Chase is doing now every time. Like, these guys can't run with him, obviously. His size is a problem. Mm-hmm. He should have honestly caught that first one, I thought, and even had a couple more drops throughout that game. For me, I know Chase Claypool's slander will not be tolerated, and I'm not <laughs> slandering him, okay. but that he looked the most like a rookie of any game this year in that game. Well, he still ended up with eight catches for 69 yards. He did well. I mean, he had that really good catch on the sideline where I was like, how the hell did he reach up and catch that one? That one was beautiful. And then C.D. Lamb Lamb may have even topped him later. That that catch on their last drive was insane. Oh, gosh, yeah, on the sideline on that last drive. That's another stud rookie there. The Cowboys got a good one. Yes, they did. And Steelers third down was another story of the game. Five for 13 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. Less than the eight for seventeen and zero for one on fourth down for the for the the Dallas Cowboys, but they were obviously had way more success in the running game. Their third downs were on short yardage, and they were just converting. They were converting a lot with their legs as well. 
whether yeah. they had to run for two yards one day they, they ran for like six yards i'm like damn it <laughs> we need alu alu in there yeah dude no doubt it was very evident if you run back the tape to our our talk last week we said this was kind of Bugs' chance to shine and to step up and prove that he belonged. And I don't know. I can't confidently say that he did that. Yeah. I come out of this game just thinking that they missed Alulu still and need him back. What he brought to that defense was unexpected, but the difference in the run defense when he's in versus when he's out is now, you know, you can't deny it anymore. It's, it's very clear that his impact is being felt and missed. And the defense still played a good game. I, I know they were getting gashed with the run, but – Still had two sacks in the game. Highsmith with his first sack. Watt and Hayward combining for a half sack on that big sack on the fourth down, which should have iced the game. I know we'll talk about that at length. But still seven tackles for loss and NFL leading tackles for loss player, Vince Williams extended with another two. Yeah, I mean, decent game for the defense. Uh, The one guy you didn't mention that I thought – well, not to spoil the game balls, but Minka. I feel like Minka was finally Minka again, making some yes. plays, some splashy turnovers and everything that you expect from him. Mm-hmm. He was kind of all over the place. Continued, you know, now two weeks in a row, pretty solid play. The things that I love from Minka as well were some great open field tackles, man. He got Amari yeah. Cooper in the open field on one that I thought for sure Amari was going to take for a huge, huge gain. Yeah, Minka made a beautiful play wrapping him up and, and stopping that before it could really get anywhere. So – Huge game from him. Like you said, mm. the sacks, that, that's low, honestly. I thought they were going to get a lot more sacks than they did, and it wasn't even until late that the pass rush really started getting home at all. So that was yeah. a frustrating aspect of the game in general. I think last week we had the line on T.J. Watt sacks at two, and I went over for sure. I think you either said he would get two. I, one. I set the line. Yeah. I said two's got to yeah. be at least the, the line, what it's going to be. You know, I'd like it to be more. One of these days he's going to have a four or five sack game, and we're just all going to love it as Steeler fans. But, yeah, so we were a little off there. but Well, well that quarterback, they, they did a smart job, and I'm like, well, I guess they're trying to throw whatever quarterback in now. But this is their most mobile quarterback left. He had a lot of American uh, AAF football experience. He was really good with them. Um, I don't know if he won the championship, but I, know he got, I thought he got to the championship in that one. Um, but, I mean, he was getting the ball out quickly. He was bootlegging. He was moving in the pocket. He's running for first downs. And that was a problem for the Steelers because they weren't really – keying on the quarterback moving they were only keying on Ezekiel Elliott or they're trying to and then everybody else started gashing him yeah he had those back-to-back runs early and I was like "Ah, it's gonna be one of those games man it was the worry all along but you could just you just had that feeling he was escaping you know Mondo had him dead to rights at that at the one play and he just spun out of it and broke it off for a nice gain it was just one of those games and any Steelers fan who's watched the team for any years knows exactly what that means it's just one of those games but the the crucial difference being they still found a way to win this time. So that's the, that's the difference between this team and some teams of years past that I've watched is that this team still will gut, grit it out, and just find a way to win. There's something to be said about finding a way to win, man. I think especially in the NFL, like the box score never tells the whole story. You just have to watch this game to see yeah. how they don't quit, how the defense actually ramped up as the game be- came on the line. You know, it did. the higher yeah. the stakes, the better everybody played, Ben included. So yeah. that's, that's huge. That kind of clutch factor, if you will. You can't really overstate how important that is and how important that will be in big games, which, you know, they have plenty of those left. And again, extending that one sack in 65 straight oh, yeah. games, still number two all time in the NFL. What's still number one? It. What number I haven't do they... seen it yet. I, I haven't gotten that number yet. I'll have to look that up. They got to get to it. Yeah, it's, one of these weeks we'll get it. But it's... I can't. I can't fathom them not getting a sack in a game. Like I just can't. Yeah. imagine that happening R- right now with this Forever. team. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Um, Vince Williams now the 11th player to have 14 plus TFLs in his first eight games. First to do it since Chandler Jones, and he's there with J.J. Watt, Vaughn Miller, DeMarcus Ware, and Jared Allen. So that's a big – that's a big list of, you know, Hall of Fame caliber players there to go with our Vince Williams for, for TFL leads. That's not bad at all. And, dude, okay, so I just Googled it. The record for most consecutive games with at least one sack is very nice. Very nice striker, 69 games. Tampa Bay Buccaneers – from 1999 Ooh. to 2003. So, obviously, some elite defenses there that Mike Tomlin was actually a part of. So yes, it was. Good, good <laughs> for you, Mike, being a part of both of these. So, yeah, 69. 
What are, would you say they were at now? 65? 65. Okay. They're going to so, get it. They'll get they, it this They got a year. chance of go. passing that this season. That's great. That is there you awesome. Go. That is awesome. And going down through, obviously, Minka had a huge game, six tackles, uh, an interception, two passes defense, a fumble recovery. Though, though Watt, I mean, I think he's only credited with that half sack on the tackle. But three passes defense, man. He was still impactful, still in the backfield changing plays, knocking balls down. I mean, Watt just finds a way to make splash plays, even if he's not racking up tackles or racking up sacks. That's it, man. And that's the, that's exactly kind of what I was alluding to earlier with the team as a whole. It's like, even whenever their bread and butter isn't working, or even whenever things aren't optimal, they're still finding ways to be very good and impactful. So TJ is really the perfect example of that. He wasn't wasn't getting home on the pass rush. So what does he do? Start putting his hands up. Okay, Gilbert's getting the ball out super fast. What did they do to Ben all year? We talked about it several times on this show when he's getting the ball out fast, how to disrupt that. So Watt obviously adjusted on the fly and made that happen. So kudos to him. Plus, TJ Watt is now officially in the James Harrison category of getting held on every single play and it doesn't get called. Like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous that, to watch. I saw that neck tackle on the one of their deep plays down the middle. And, yeah. uh, I mean, he's clearly like this. The guy's like, Watts all the way behind him. He's got like an arm around his neck like this and falls down with his legs out. I mean, I'm like, God, that's a freaking yeah. hole. Dude, it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. but at the same time. We were used to seeing that with Harrison, though. You're right. For real. But, and like, at the same time, what do you do? You want them to literally throw a flag every other play? Like, no. I don't I don't necessarily yeah. want to see that either. But it's just, it's frustrating, obviously, whenever it, it's a big gain for them. And, and he's just getting harassed. And I remember you and I talking last week. We we're saying, you know, what is going to keep this game close? How would this game stay close at all? Turnover differential and special teams. I'm a, I mentioned big returns, and man, did they, uh, they had two huge returns one a punt return, one a kick return. And, you know, they, they were lucky that they were able to limit both of those to field goals instead of touchdowns. Absolutely. Because that's, what's, that's what kept the game close. Big plays. And, they were killing us in all special teams. Their their kick block annihilated yeah. us. We'll get into that a little bit later. I got a I got a video breakdown on that. Nice. But my gosh, was that just it was disgusting how they were in the backfield on every single kick except for yeah. the first extra point that he that just he shanked, shanked himself. <laughs> Dude, the, the kick return was inexcusable, but that punt return was actually just beautiful, man. I loved that. I, uh, I hated it. I hated it at yeah, the time. The throwback, especially when he faked hurting his hamstring. Boy, dude, and like everybody just ran saying. away from it. He just runs down. The, <laughs> the whole setup there was actually was, pretty beautiful. It that was. That was awesome. From, I, from but, a, a football, you know, strategy loving perspective, which we are, yeah, it, it sucks that it happened against it, but they, they executed it. Perfect. And the the balls of a team that's that's struggling the way they are against an eight no team to go for something like that. Yeah, I like I liked it. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things that like you just got to respect it. It was it was a hell of a good play. So kudos to them on pulling that off. But yeah, man, like you said, <laughs> special teams in general was was a disaster in that game. You got the missed field goals, missed extra point rather, blocked extra point. He's so back. I had to leave. My cat's like screaming at me because we have one of these cat doors that you can lock one side. And I guess my daughter locked one side, which is why it smells like cat pee in the studio today. That's so, nice. Nice fragrance, she can, bro. She can now get out. <laughs> As opposed Good. to still meowing the entire time we're on air. But um, that's great. Looking here through, I'm, I mean, they did a good job on their end. I mean, Gilbert, give him credit, 21 for 38, 243 yards, touchdown and interception. He spread the ball out fairly well. I mean, running-wise, too, I, I still think we did a pretty good job. We wanted to keep, you know, Ezekiel Elliott under, under 80 yards. He was at 51. But Tony Pollard had 57. Gilbert added 28 with himself, too. And, yeah, it seemed a little – bigger than what it was but still I think the Steelers did a good job of keying in on Ezekiel Elliott and trying to limit him yeah I mean he's okay what he had he had like less than three yards per attempt I think but 2.8 there you go so that's good so if you can on. if you can hold <laughs> Zeke to that that's always a good time but obviously he and Pollard and like you said Gilbert too they all had pretty crucial runs at times that just felt like some runs that the Steelers defense wasn't giving up earlier this year so I'm not saying it's a problem yet. I don't feel that it's a problem. Not super concerned, 
But the rush defense in those first couple weeks compared to, you know, the last two, three weeks is definitely a little different. So would like to see them shore that up. If that's a Lulu, if that's 100% Tyson's impact, that would be yeah. great. Getting him back and changing that. Cool. If that's the fix, awesome. If it's something deeper than that, though, yeah, it's not something you want to see linger. And here's a new stat for you, too, Hunter. Steelers have just rallied from two second-half deficits to win back-to-back on the road for the first time since 1953. I didn't even know the Steelers existed in 53. We don't, yep, we don't talk about that. 33, baby, they started. <laughs> yeah, Bob, well, thank you, Bob Pompiani, for that, uh, for that great stat. I thought they started in 1970. I don't acknowledge anything for 1970. <laughs> well, you know, Yinzers, I understand. But my dad, my grandfather, they definitely understand the 33 Steelers. Ugh. Well, actually, the 33 Pirates. I don't think they became the Steelers for like three years. Sad times. Yeah, yeah. But Mike Tomlin, Tomlin also has a big feat. He ties Marty Schottenheimer for number – for the most – with 14 straight seasons of not, not having a losing season. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. Only one other coach has done it. It's Marty Schottenheimer. And the way this team's playing, he's got a shot at doing 15. Dude, it's cra- – I mean – People need to honestly realize how hard that is. Obviously, if only two coaches have ever done it, it's extremely yeah. hard. But B, like you see a game like that Cowboys game and realize how even when you have one of the elite best teams versus one of the worst teams, the parity in the NFL is insane. The Just yeah. any team can play with any team on any week. So to have a, a string of seasons, non-losing seasons that long, it's remarkable. And and then you throw in injuries or guys retiring, a yeah. bad draft, just whatever yeah. whatever nonsense can happen throughout a season to just disrupt everything. And last season was the one that they should have had yeah. a losing season. And exactly. even then, even then they find a way to make it happen. And honestly, one of the things that I feel like gets forgotten last year is even the two games that Ben played, they lost. Like Ben went 0 and yes. 2 last year. So so not only did they go eight and eight, but they really went like eight and six with their backups, which exactly. was amazing. Yeah. And another amazing thing that you have to put this in perspective, 14 non-losing seasons means you haven't been drafting anywhere near the tops. And look right. at all the talent on this roster that they have drafted low. I mean, mm-hmm. you're drafting the back. You get TJ Watt and like pick 30 the one year. You get um, Hayward late. You get to it in the second round late. Uh, Juju, all of our receivers came late. I mean, this this team has just done a phenomenal job. Tom Tomlin, Colbert, and the and the, all the scouts just to be able to find these players that fit their system, fit it well, and to continue the winning and you know, all pro pro bowl caliber players when you're drafting in the back half of the, of the draft for the past 14 years. It's crazy, man. I mean, Shazier was one of the highest draft picks in recent years. So that's, and that was like 15. So yeah. Well, other, other than really having hard. to move up to 10 to grab um, Bush, that, sure, we sure. traded up 10 spots. We traded up to 20. Of so, <laughs> I mean, we would have been drafting 20 that year. It's not – I mean, that, but that's what you're looking at. You're usually drafting in the back half of the draft, which, like you said, you're not getting that elite there, – there's guys I'm sure they've wanted that they simply had to pass up that they couldn't get. But at the yeah. same time, it works for them. Like, part of me wonders if they had a first-round pick last year, would they have ended up with Chase Claypool or would they have taken a different receiver first in round one and then gone a different direction in round two? Like, in that's a way – that's in a, a way, point. maybe they're just adapting and, that you know, this is just working for them. They're obviously, I mean, unquestionably, one of the best front offices in football. So that, that's what you get. You get, you get non-losing seasons. <laughs> and you look at this draft, too. This is a draft where we did not have a first-rounder because of the Minka Fitzpatrick. Thank you for having Minka. We love our first-rounder. But everybody that they picked is on the roster and they're contributing now. So yeah. this is one of the few times I, I remember like reading out some other blog posts and tweets. I don't know if it's ever happened where every single player has made the roster at, at one point during the season. This might be a first for the Steelers, which is big considering they didn't have a first round draft pick. That is kind of crazy to think of. Did, is Antoine Brooks, has he been active yet? He just got activated last week. Wow. I totally he missed got that. Called, Good for He him. got called up the week before for a um, – uh, a game day activation and drop back down the practice squad. And then he made the, uh, now he's on the roster since they dropped um, 
what you call it. They got rid of uh, Wiz- Wisniewski. Stefan yeah, Wisniewski. Yeah. Okay. Dude, I totally missed that. But I did not miss Carlos and, Davis. And Trey Edmonds dropping Raps. off the roster too. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I caught that. Yeah. Um, Carlos Davis, I saw his name getting called a few times during the yep. game. Nice, <laughs> nice to see him getting some reps. You know, nothing to get too excited about yet. But mm-hmm. cool to see his name popping up and cool of him to get that opportunity. Like you said, the future seems extremely bright, man. I mean, Claypool and Dotson are two that I'm – incredibly excited about and yes you know, there's just other highsmith highsmith man highsmith looked really good i don't know if you guys were watching him this game but both in the running game and the passing game he was on point he looked amazing this past game he was he had a couple moves to get in the sack was beautiful he's in the backfield to, to help with the you know the run game as well so yeah i really appreciated his effort and looking at that i mean He's got a higher floor than Bud Dupree had. I mean, I think yeah. – I honestly think Bud Dupree has a higher ceiling than just about any linebacker we've ever had. The guy is just an athletic freak. Um, but as far as floor starting off right away, he looks a lot better than Bud did uh, coming out of the gates, and he's got a high motor. And that's that kind of fits, you know, that T.J. Watt mold as well. So Imagine that. Good guy <laughs> to learn from. <laughs> Dude, it's funny, too, like the, the Bud comparison. I, I don't – I do not want to lose Bud. Like, I want them to be able to re-sign Bud and figure out a way to keep him. But Alex Highsmith, week over week, is convincing me that that won't be a massive problem if it happens. He he is looking more and more ready every week. You know, some weeks you're like, ah, okay, he came in and made a splashy play. But like you said, last week, if you watch every snap, man, he was very good. And, and in, back in coverage. I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, he's he, looking good. The dude's been good, and you can only expect that he's going to get better and better rapidly because he was a super raw guy coming out of college. So the, those are the kind of guys that if they put it together, the ceiling, you know, approaches very fast because they do have the athleticism and the raw talent but just need some refinement. And he's that kind of guy, and it looks like he's getting that refinement already. Like you said, Playing with uh, TJ and Bud every day, practicing with them every day, that can't hurt a young player's development. <laughs> so game ball time. Who's your offensive game ball, Hunter? Kind of – I spoiled it earlier, man, but it's definitely Juju for me in this one. <laughs> Juju not only coming up huge late, but just his attitude. I, I've been loving Juju all year. You guys yeah. know that listening yep. to the show. But that that was kind of his game. To me, He's he's been – Ben's safety valve, whatever you want to call it. He's just been so reliable when they need a play. And, man, did they need those plays in that one or else they don't escape Dallas with an undefeated record. So, definitely Juju for me. For me, it's got to be Ben. I mean, another on-the-road 10-point deficit, busting his legs, limping the entire rest of the game, coming through clutch as a mofo. Yeah, This guy just always delivers and this is the season it's like i never feel like ben is ever out of it this year i mean i I felt more scared right when he first got hurt and then he got that touchdown like well i hope he comes back in this sometime this season and he's like oh he's back out the second half it's like that's just quintessential ben so that's got to be my game ball Um, and then for defense who's your defensive game ball Gonna gonna take Minka on that one too. That like I said earlier, you know, that was his game. That was the Minka game we've yes. been waiting for. Not not just the turnovers and the splash, but also, like I said, those open field tackles. He had quite a few of them where yeah. I was kind of concerned about his tackling earlier in the season. You know, he was kind of going for the huge hit instead of wrapping up or being safe. But yeah, super short tackler in that game. Everything all around Minka Winka week over week seems to be getting back to himself. So that's good news for the Steelers. Yeah. Defense for me, Vince Williams, man. Vince Williams has been a tackle machine, led the team in tackles with eight last game, two TFLs. He's still doing it, man. I just love watching Vince just looks faster this year. People saying you can't cover, he covers. Uh, He does a pretty good job on the running backs, pretty good job minimizing, you know, slot receivers and tight ends. Unfortunately, way to get it matched up on them. But, you know, I, I couldn't be more surprised to tell you the truth about Vince Williams really separate, except for maybe Tyson Alualu. Right, um, right. Separate in this, you know, defense among alpha dogs. Yeah, you've got two guys that are that are showing and that they're really excellent in this system and contributing in ways that I didn't think they'd ever be able to contribute. And I'm loving watching it. 
I definitely agree with you, man. And, and along those same lines, I feel like this is another week where Terrell Edmonds had a super solid showing. He, yes. We haven't been it's, hearing his name or seeing him lagging, and really that's what you yeah. want from him. He's been super responsible, just maintaining his assignments. He's playing the way that you would want Terrell Edmonds to play within that system. So don't sleep on his development, I feel like, Steeler Nation, because I know he's a guy that everybody likes to crap on and feel like it was a wasted pick or a bust or this and that, but – Dude, he's he's low-key putting it together, just like Bud Dupree did. So who knows where his ceiling's going to be. I still don't think we've seen it. No, definitely not. No, (laughs) the guy is amazing. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Moving on to Mike Tomlin's press conference. We've got a couple things to talk to. Obviously, big things with COVID happening. First things first, though, Avery Williamson We'll get reps this week, obviously, with Vince Williams being out with the COVID. Uh, He was rostered for the game last week. He was active, but he didn't play. It was kind of an emergency situation. So they'd throw him in if something would have happened to Vince or to Spillane in the center. But fortunately, didn't have to use him. But it was his first game back. It was his first day, really, with the team since he just got there Saturday because he had a clear COVID. So look for him to get a lot more used to it. Uh, when I interviewed him last week and talked to him directly, I noticed every season he had special team snaps. So this that's how you get to play for the Steelers. You show you're playing on special teams, you're on the roster, and you're going to get in the game. So. I feel like we're kind of the special team show. I feel like we talk we, about that a lot. and People don't care about it, but it's gosh. like especially for rookies or fringe roster guys. I heard, I heard a, a quote of somebody, the NBA G League, like the developmental league. Yeah. He said that a lot, a problem that a lot of those guys have is that they're playing to prove that they're a superstar in the NFL, in the NBA rather. But what they need to play as is somebody that any NBA team can rely on. Like if you're in the G League, you're not going to be James Harden. You're going to be the 10th guy on the bench that they might need for rotational purposes. Yeah. So that's how I feel about special teams in the NFL is like, yes, you're not the superstar, but you can secure a spot on that 53-man roster and have a long, nice career by being an ace on special teams. I mean, Jordan Dangerfield being the prime example. If exactly. he was not, if he was not what he is on special teams, he would have been cut seasons ago. Instead, yeah. he has a really nice career for the Steelers. And we always have that big guy, whether it's Matakavitz or Chidi Iwuma. I mean, we always have that big special teams guy that makes all the plays for us. Yeah. So you know, kudos to to him as well. Um, one other comment too. I would. I need to touch base quickly on Jordan Berry as well. He had another monster punting game last game. I mean, yeah, they they turned that one punt into like a lateral return for a big return that could have been a touchdown, but that yeah. wasn't his fault. I mean, he put that ball in the corner deep 
lots of hang time. Everybody was down there and they just shot it over the next guy. So, you know, kudos to their, their play call on that one, but he's been hitting 50. There's three, I think two punts where the guy was turning around to run backward because it got over the guy's head. So I'm yeah. like, that's what you need out of a punter. We were not getting that from Colquitt. We were getting like 30 yarders out of Colquitt. And, yeah. um, you know, we were used to seeing one punt out of four for Barry before, but these past three games, he's been an integral part of these wins, getting us the field position that we need to win these games and pinning people back. For sure. He's looked good, man. He's definitely booming them. But leave, leave it to Barry to, like, outkick his coverage. Like, the dude can't win. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, now you're hitting it 70 yards, but they're returning it <laughs> to, yep. to midfield. Yeah, but like, like you said, that one really wasn't his fault, as we talked about earlier. It was just – that was a beautiful play design. But, yeah. yeah. Barry, so, good job. So, injury-wise, Ben Roethlisberger, obviously we talked about. Uh, Tomlin went ahead and said, I'm not worried about him at all for being able to play this game from a physical uh, performance. Uh, Derek Watt also was a surprise pull uh, right there at game time because he practiced. It looked like he was full practice all last week and must have tweaked something. He had a step, a setback. So, I mean, because they released Terrell Edmonds. He's like, you think he's a full go? But Trey. They, Trey, Trey thank you. Yeah, wrong Edmonds. Thank you. <laughs> Boop. Boop. Air, air horn. Air yep. horn. So, but having him back on – we were full board. It's like, yep, we got Watt. We're good to go. And then we didn't have Watt. And it kind of hurt the running game. But we'll see if he practices this week. Tomlin does expect both Tyson and uh, Mike Hilton to return to practice this week, which is great news. Very nice. Because both of them help out tremendously in the running game. Because that's one thing that we, we take for granted and that we don't really think about is how good Mike Hilton is at getting tackles um, in the running game, being as small size as he is, but he's also able to defend the pass. So he's a nice hybrid player, like a money backer, so to speak, uh, being Good. able to play behind the line of scrimmage and defend people. So how it, many, I mean, how many games in our post game podcast earlier in the season were we talking about Mike Hilton as being the game ball for the defense or the best player on the defense through X yeah. games? Like the, the yep. way the guy has stepped up yeah. this season. And like you just said, People may sleep on his run stopping, but I know who does not sleep on his run stopping is Mike Tomlin. If you listen Damn to him right. talk about Mike Hilton or any post-game press conference talking about how he's been missed in stopping the run, it's weird yes. because you don't you don't usually think of a cornerback as being a run stopper, but he absolutely no. is. He's super <laughs> disruptive in the backfield. That's what he does super well. So like you said, they're missing him in that capacity. That along with Tyson is probably the reason why the run yes. defense. I mean, it, it's a perfect yeah. exhibit. Makes perfect sense. Getting them back would obviously be huge. Would be a good time to uh, shore that up. And Tomlin's been echoing that point two weeks in a row. Now, for the COVID aspect, guys, we got a, a positive COVID test. It looks like Vance McDonald. Uh, he had an illness last week on Friday. He missed practice. They were testing him. He was negative for COVID the entire way through the game. He got tested before the game. Obviously, they don't get the results until after the game. But that was the result that came back positive. So it turned out he did have COVID. Um, now they have the contact trace. So Ben Roethlisberger, Jalen Samuels, Vince Williams, and Gerald Hawkins are the uh, one, two, three, four players that are on five-day watch. They cannot come to the facility. They can only do everything virtually. They have to get tested every day. And if they are clean for those five days, Saturday they can return to the walkthroughs. Sunday they can play. And Vance is on a 10-day since he was the one that was positive. It's not a false positive. He is out for 10-day minimum, so he's going to miss this first game. can come back at the earliest, I think, next Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Can just hope for negative, for negative tests to come back throughout the week and allow them to play because, obviously, you know, Hawkins and Samuels, sorry, guys, no offense, would not be huge losses, but Ben and Vince are two yes. guys – you don't want to head into that game without those two guys. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Steelers fan, I mean, what can you do, dude? We talked about it all season. We knew this was going to be a weird season. Tomlin has said as much. All the players have said as much. It was going to happen at some point, and now it's the Steelers' turn to deal with some COVID-related stuff. I just hope that they get a bye week like the Titans did, dude. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, COVID bye week. That would be beautiful now. Yeah, if everybody gets sick, we keep getting positives, we'll have a COVID bye week. Yeah, but right. Spread yeah, it. At least kudos to, to, you know, Colbert as well, going out, getting Avery Williamson because he might be starting this weekend because of COVID. So who knew? <laughs> yeah. We did not know that in the past, but they just wanted to shore up the place where we had the most need for depth. 
and now it's not an issue. So for this game, kudos. Think about if they didn't do that, though, where they would be. I mean, that's a great example of just kind of like the foresight of the team being like, hey, we we know he's not a starter. Like, he's not going to be a huge impact player, but this is an area where our depth is weak. And one week later, it might be getting tested. So, Oh, he is a starter. The guy is a starter. He's got four seasons over 100 tackles. He was on pace with 58 before they pulled him in seven games. So he was on pace for over 100 tackles with the Jets. Oh, absolutely. Starter caliber. I meant he wasn't going to be a starter on the team, right? Oh, yes. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And the last point that Mike Tomlin wanted to make as well is with Ben out this week, he's going to be looking at Mason and Dobbs as possible replacements if Ben does not play. So it's not just a, hey, this is Mason's ball. He's going to take it and he's going to be our backup. This is a Mason and Dobbs situation came out of Tomlin's mouth. And that's something he usually does not do in pressers. Very true. And all I hear when I hear that is a big, huge red flag. (laughs) I don't like, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like the sounds of that. I don't like the options behind Ben. I still don't. I I don't love Dobbs. I may like Dobbs a little more than Mason, to be honest with you guys, especially after seeing Mason come in for Ben against the Cowboys. It was the same Mason, the same problems that I always felt plagued him, which is zero awareness in the pocket, no pocket presence and a, a week his passes noticeably float like compared to yeah. Ben's you just yeah. watch the ball does not come out of his hand the same the strength the arm strength is not there in that capacity and dude but the but the pocket awareness is by far his worst trait and it did not look any better albeit super limited reps I'll give you that but you would hope you would have hoped to see a better looking Mason Rudolph than that it inspired zero confidence if that's the guy against the Bengals. I'll put it that way. Well, he still got us the three yards we needed to get that field goal. So <laughs> you, can, you can hang that on his hat. He's, got one, he's one for one on scoring drives. <laughs> hey, probably has a perfect passer rating or something too. <laughs> right. So, well, no, get that one though. He missed that yeah. lob pass, which was, I was like, wow, why did he throw that? All right. But, uh, but looking at Cincinnati now, we're going into having, which I am the most afraid of this matchup. This is, one that I've looked on the calendar being like, well, they are kind of a wild card. They've got really tall receivers across the board. Everybody's like over 6'3". And they've got this brand new quarterback in Joe Exotic Burrow. And he's getting the ball to all his Bengal Tigers. And, you know, so you can see this as being a potential problem for the Steelers as a matchup because, you know, I mean, you're even going down through like Auden Tate is like 6'4". And, you know, you got – A.J. Green, you got Ross, you got – I mean, this is just a tall, tall team. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Boyd obviously thrown Boyd. in there. T, T. Higgins, yeah. the the standout rookie, this dude has come yeah. out and kind of set the league on fire a little bit as well. He's 6'4". Like, dude, they do. They're tall receivers. They're beastly receivers. They're looking good. Burrow looks amazing. I hate to say it, Steelers fans, but that dude's going to be a problem in the league. He's already better than Baker. Yeah. I mean – I, on it, that that's a little tongue in cheek, but but also I'm kind of serious, maybe. <laughs> so I mean, they go out, they beat Tennessee last week, which is obviously a huge win. But yeah. here's yes, here's the key factor in that you only have to look at one stat to know how that happened, why that happened. Joe Burrow did not get sacked against the Titans at all, zero sacks allowed, and wow. their off their offensive line has been tragic all season. I'll, I'll read you some numbers. Three sacks, three sacks. Week three against the Eagles, they allowed eight sacks. One, seven against Baltimore. Two, four, and then zero. So the one game that they keep Burrow upright, funny how that works. A quarterback yeah. plays better whenever he's not getting smacked in the face. So, yeah. so you can look at this two ways. The Eagles, they allowed eight sacks, and the Ravens, they allowed seven sacks. Those are two very good pass rushes yep. that, the Steelers, that yeah. the Steelers would compare favorably to. Yes. So the two times that they faced a truly elite pass rush, it, they got crushed. But also, in their most recent game, the offensive line kind of got its act together and kept Burrow upright. So yeah. their offensive line is improving, but it still hasn't – you know, the Titans' pass rush is nothing to get excited about at all. It's actually very weak this year. Yeah. So is it – it was probably a little column A, a little column B. Offensive line playing a little better, also playing a worse pass rush. I don't think they're going to blank the Steelers – but no. if the Steelers can't get Burrow on his back three-plus times, he's, he's going to do some work, man. The dude's yeah. good. He's talented. They have weapons. So could quickly turn into a shootout. Yeah, if, if they get him on his back and 
the problem with the Steelers too is you're you're rushing from so many different places. Kind of like the the Baltimore Ravens as well. They're the same. They they've got a lot of different guys. They don't really have that one rally up guy. I mean, yeah, we have you know Watt and and Bud, but I mean everybody can get a sack on this team. I think there's like eight nine players with sacks. Right. So it's that's the most difficult thing to defend is when you have a lot of different people that can put your quarterback on the ground as opposed to just one or two. And if Hilton's back this week, that's obviously another guy that, that will get after the quarterback. I mean, Burrow, they're going to have a rough time with that, but every team yeah. in the NFL is going to have a rough time with that against the Steelers this year. The da- Dallas did a great job getting the ball out quickly and everything. The thing is with Cincy's, those tall receivers that kind of stretch the field, those, you know, the deeper routes obviously take more time to develop. That could put Burrow in danger if they can't work out some more intermediate kind of quick passing routes. So we'll see what they do, man. I'll, I'm, I'm right with you, though. It's yeah. not it's not a not a layup. It's not the Bengals. No. Of, you know, their record's a little deceiving. They're they're yeah. better than the record. Obviously playing in arguably the best division in football, if not the best division in football, right there yeah. at the FC West. You can debate those two all day, but yeah. it's one of the two. And th- they've lost some games against good competition because of that. So yeah. no no shame there, but beating the Titans is no n- nothing to sneeze at. So the Bengals are looking a lot better this year. Burrow worries me a little bit they need to get to him early and often and I think they'll be fine the flip side of it being that the Bengals defense is still kind of trash this year yeah nothing nothing to get too worried about there the Steelers should be able to hang up points are they still getting any pass rush and consistently I don't know actually I'd have to still on there yeah Atkins is still there he's getting old okay Okay. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's yeah. Just I always know Gino's a tough guy to deal with, but yeah, yeah, dude, dude's a monster. But yeah. uh, yeah, for the most part, they're still allowing over 400 yards a game. So the Steelers right. should be able to feast on offense. And if Burrow gets going, hey, your best versus our best. Let's do it. Let's have a little showdown. Yeah, hopefully Ben can come back and show everybody that he's home, Ben, and have a great time and a fun time and get us up. So we're just pin our ears back and pass rush Joe Burrow all day I'd love that because yeah dude it'd give our defense time to feast I'd rather have Garrett Gilbert at this point I think honestly like backing up that (laughs) that guy I was impressed yeah a lot of Steeler Nation is saying that right now too (laughs) (laughs) so now it is time Steeler Nation for questions from Steeler Nation Steeler Nation.com forum if you go over to Steeler Nation.com sign up free account I put up a thread every week, say, what are your questions? And we answer them now. You can also ask on Twitter here live, ask on Facebook live. We will field those questions as we are talking. And first question I want to get to is Steve A. He says, our offensive line has had issues opening holes and not assisting our running backs, letting the D get in the backfield, making our running backs look pedestrian. Uh, Yet Ben has adjusted to getting the ball out quickly and has been sacked less than ever. Ben is thriving in spite of the O-line. And at the same time, our lack of running game is being exposed. So to me, I think this is more of a scheme and execution thing. I mean, we were obviously expecting to go into that game with a fullback. We didn't. And it kind of changed what we were trying to do. Schematically wise, too, something that I noticed, I don't know if you did, but we always run that jet sweep, that fake jet sweep. I think we ran that eight or nine times before we finally handed it off to somebody. And Dallas was not biting on it at all. Yeah. Like we ran that, if we give that to the receiver a couple times early, that's going to slow down their A-gap blitzes because yep. that's where they were killing us. Yeah, I mean, the run game was obviously very sad. And like the question said, the the run blocking was just atrocious all game. You can't, listen, part of it is the running back, but you can't expect a running back running into a wall of four defenders to get anywhere. You know, you got to make lanes. The offensive line has to do its job. I mean, it's funny, like, saying that Ben hasn't been getting sacked much, but like you said, it's a totally different scheme, totally different mm-hmm. idea on passing downs. They need to generate more push for sure in the running game to help these guys out because Connor had a pretty bad game. Obviously, Snell and McFarland both got stuffed on third and one and then fourth and one on consecutive plays. They just got completely stuffed. Connor got stuffed late on a fourth and one. The one you were saying there at the end of the game that you thought would have iced the game it was just – there was just no push at all. So, like you, yeah. I'm a little little concerned about about the run blocking for sure. But also think they can get it figured out. And also, they don't necessarily need a power run game. It's not something that this offense I – don't, I don't think they need that to thrive. Does it – is it awesome to rely on that sometimes? Yes, absolutely. And it does help open up the passing game. But as you saw in that Cowboys game, Ben is more than happy to just – 
take little four-yard slants, get the ball around, you know, dish it around, use his whole arsenal of weapons. And, you know, the short passes are kind of runs. I've even heard the coaches describe yeah. it as that, using yeah. that as your running game if the run game isn't working. So I'm not, not super concerned about it, but I get the question for sure. It was a problem against the Cowboys. Pooley man wants to know, so what is your view on Dallas defender jumping over the offensive line to disrupt the kicking game? And was it illegal? So here's my film session. Nice. Let's do it. <laughs> so everybody up here that's on Facebook live watching it, you can watch the replay here on YouTube. Once we get that up at around by six o'clock tonight, but here is what I've broken down when I did a hidden plays for the week. That's the article coming out tomorrow, but the video is already up. If you watch this, there's a guy right here. I'm going to zoom in a little bit. Number 98. His name is Tyrone Crawford. He was killing us on the defensive line. He lines up to the left of the long snapper this time, right on the guard. Rules are you cannot line up head up on the long snapper anymore. That's an automatic penalty. You also can't run towards the line of scrimmage and jump in the air because if you touch anyone, it's an automatic first down now. That changed in 2017. But – if you start on the line of scrimmage, you can jump alignment or you can jump a gap to get into the backfield. Now, this is the first extra point that we took, and this is the best blocking that we did because this is the only time Mr. Crawford didn't end up in the backfield. <laughs> and we watch him come up. He gets, he gets wedged pretty well. He jumps, but, I mean, we got a little bit of the, sh the shanks there on that one, unfortunately. Uh, second kick, this is the first time that we tried to kick this, the field goal when it was at 40 – uh, four yards or 43 yards, 44 yards. Yeah. 54, so 50, right? sorry, 54 yeah. yards. Thank there you for you. correcting my dyslexia. Gotcha. And right here you have Crawford lining up on the right-hand side. Now you see he's down on the other side of the guard this time. So he's actually lined up on the tackle and this was their best formation because this is the one where they shift right before the ball is kicked. We stand up. And that's why we got flagged and moved back another five yards. So if you watch this play as it, as it comes through, like I just, that shift is just beautiful. You have four guys slide down. He gets up, his hand is up there, but the kick wasn't straight and didn't hit his hand. The replay that came back was the biggest kick in Steeler history. I'm pausing it right here. You have him <laughs> lined up on the right-hand side again, and he sh shoots the gap coming left between the long snapper and the guard and watch him just hurdle. I mean, he's well in the backfield. Somehow that ball comes around him. Yeah. <laughs> like he's three yards in the backfield and that ball made it around him and somehow made it through. And the last kick was on the extra point where he lines up on the left. He jumps over the guy and whacks the ball. This is why the Steelers did not want to kick the ball at all going down for the rest of this game. And that was it for us. It's like, we are done. We're not going to be showing that anymore. We're going to try to go for it. But in that situation, getting the first down was a 100% victory. That was the only play you could run there that assured victory. You kick a field goal. It's eight points up. They got a chance to come down and score again. Miss a field goal. They still have to score a touchdown. Worst case scenario, they block it and run it back for a touchdown. That yeah. was the only thing that was avoided by going for it. What I hate about it, the decision to not kick it, is that it's exactly Mike Tomlin doing what he always says he'll never do and living in his fears. That, <laughs> that, that is textbook well living in your fears. You cannot do it. Well said. Yeah, I wish this is one I wish that we were in there and able to ask questions in the Zoom because I was thinking the exact same thing. He did. He lived in his fears. I don't like, care. Well, I understand you didn't you didn't kick a field goal on fourth ground fourth down. Is, is is this an example of living in your fears? But it's not. <laughs> this is actually an example of noticing that Ty, Tyrone Crawford had your number. He was in the backfield three out of four kicks. Yeah, and you're just not going to. I mean, it, it, it's as a as a you know, when you're watching games and you're just like, well, that's the dumbest thing ever. But then you break down the film and it's like, it's plain as day. It's, it's nice. I mean, it, it was well done. It was very well executed on their part. But that's, again, that's crazy to see that you couldn't make that adjustment mid-game or figure something out. The, like you said, to start the show, the special teams was just terrible in that game. They got to be better moving forward. Okay. Uh, question from Hines, 57. What does the offense need to do to get the running game going and points on the board in the first half? Our slow, sluggish starts were thankfully able to overcome the last couple of weeks, but you can't continue to fall behind and win games. Uh, we certainly would not want to fall behind 10 or 13 points to KC in a playoff game. 
Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that, Hunter? Well, I would for sure, like I just said, how short passes can act as runs. I would love to see yep. more short passes early. It seems like they like opening up with deep shots. They certainly did against the Cowboys. You know, they threw two deep balls right away that led, you know, to them needing to punt. Neither of them connected. The one on Claypool that you said you felt like should have been DPI, which definitely could have been. Yeah. But I feel like, okay, we, we've seen the Steelers' offense when it's in a rhythm, when they're moving the ball, when they're just spreading it around, hitting quick passes, getting rolling. Just do that from the onset. I don't feel like you need to come out and try to establish the run or establish the deep ball or do this and that. Just start moving the ball. It opens up everything whenever the offense is humming. So I feel like I would love to see more of that even distribution, just short, quick passes, get the ball moving, get some momentum going. That'll open everything up. But whenever you come out with the Fickner classic run, run, pass, it's yeah. easy to stop for whenever yeah. you have no momentum and you're just trying to run the ball. And like we said, run blocking is not this line strong suit early on in the season. It's, it's not going to go anywhere. And then what? Now you've established that you can't run on them. Now they know you're going to pass. Yeah. So now you've just made your job that much harder. Just come out, be balanced from the get-go. I feel like, like I said, throw quick passes, open it up, spread it around early, get them thinking early. And then once they're thinking and on their heels, that's when you can find success in literally anything you choose to do. And for me also, I, I'm ready for this team just to go straight K-gun, run and shoot, man because I'm in. that is what Ben does best. And it's the only time our offense is always moving the football. Connor would really fit well in that Thurman Thomas role of being a pass catcher and a draw running back, which is we're running out of the draw anyway. Right. So we might as well just be going shotgun, no huddle every freaking play. So, you know, th this is something that I think would be very difficult in this day and age to have a team finally develop and try to run K gun because it's something that, the rules of the game have now allowed every single receiver to be able to have openings whenever they come off the line of scrimmage. You hit them, you know, more than three yards down the field. Now it seems like you're getting holding calls or, or yeah. interference calls. So it's very true. this, this is the time to do it. This is the team to do it with. And it's, it would make sure to get the ball out, out quickly as well for Ben. Absolutely. And last question today, also from Heinz 57, who starts a quarterback for you today? On it's Sunday, the, who's going to start a quarterback? Okay, Ben. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Ben too. If I had to guess, if it wasn't Ben, I'd probably lean toward Mason yeah. being the starter. I don't know if you disagree with me and say Dobbs. No, no, I'm right with you. I feel like Mason will start if Ben can't go, but uh, we're all hoping that Ben can go. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to go like the Dallas Cowboys and go off the practice squad and bring in your duck collar? Dude, man, listen. You guys know me. You guys know that I like Duck. I would rather see Duck than Mason, and I'm being 1,000% serious. I'm not even – that's not a joke. I feel like we've seen what Mason has to offer, and it's just not good. I don't need to see more of it. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm a Mason hater. I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't like his game. Well, that's how, that's how we do Steel Nation. If you got a problem with Hunter Homestack and what he just said there about your quarterbacks – we got. You make sure to yell at them at Twitter and Instagram at yeah, Hunter A. Homestek. For sure. At H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. Hunter, Come love you like a brother, man. Dude, <laughs> absolutely. Same to you, dude. And yeah, if I can sure. ruin if I can ruin your outro, we do have a couple Facebook questions that we do. Oh, yes. Please. So I don't I don't want to forget about our friends on Facebook. Obviously. Anthony. We got Anthony and Jared <laughs> chiming in. Of course, Anthony. I knew Anthony would be there. Anthony! We're going to hit Anthony here. He says, I know we've had some nail biters, especially two back-to-back. -back. Do you see it being more a lack of offense or the defense needing to play a little bit better? So which side of the ball do you feel has been more disappointing in these nail biters? Uh, go ahead, Stryker. Well, it's for me, it's been offense starting slowly. And it's been kind of a, you know, it's been a theme this whole season. Last three games, they started slow and yeah. got behind in all three games pretty much, but found a way to, to come, except, oh, except for the, uh, the Titans game. Sorry, last two games. Titans game, they got up to like big 17-0 or something. Yeah. But yeah, these last couple games, I've, I've got to put it on the scripted play calling and execution from the Randy Fichter uh, scripted plays. Uh, the defense is doing a fine job at holding, you know, keeping them to field goals instead of touchdowns. They're a bend but don't break, you know, and then they make, like you said earlier in the day here, Hunter, I mean, their defense is, comes up clutch and makes the clutch plays and the splash plays and the big turnovers and the big sacks when they have to. Yeah. And the big knockdowns too. Two games in a row, we ended the game knocking down a pass for good old Fitz, knocking down a pass at the end zone, at the goal line. So 
you know, I can't be upset with the defense. The defense is doing their part, even with all this this heap crap thrown on top of them. So great question there, Anthony. Yeah, it really is, man. And on the defensive side, it's it's crazy and it's a weird split for me because definitely you watch this defense play sometimes and they're getting picked apart or it's this and that. They don't look as dominant as you expect. But then you look around the NFL and that defense doesn't exist anymore. It's funny, man. Like I was just talking about it with my dad. We were talking about the 70s Steelers and watching old Steelers highlights this summer. He was over to visit Yeah. Th- this weekend, not this summer, this oh, cool. weekend. And uh, so he, w- he was just – and we were, you know, going through the old 1976 Steelers stats with their ridiculous shutout streak and everything they had going. Like that defense does not exist in the modern NFL. It can't. Like defenses yeah. are not as good are so as so different now. The rules are different. The structure's yeah. different. The athletes are different. The schemes are different. Yeah. So like expecting this current Steelers defense to go out there and be completely dominant every game is it's just unrealistic. Like they're gonna have moments where they look porous, but the the key is that they step up and make these huge plays that you talk about, like batting the ball down at the yeah. at the goal line to end the game, sacking Gilbert late and kind of icing the game, like cranking up the pass rush when they need it. They clearly have these elite elements and are an elite defense. It's just that what an elite defense looks in 2020 is not what you see from 1985. So it's not, it's just not the same. Yeah. So once again, thank you very much, Hunter, for joining us on the podcast, co-host with the most. Yes. Guys, Twitter. <laughs> Facebook, we'll be back here, same bat time, Tuesdays, 2 o'clock after the press. This is a big day today, I mean, with all the COVID news that came out today. A couple with not knowing about Ben and his situation. And so everything just hit today. So it's good that we're doing these on Tuesdays instead of Mondays because we've been missing a lot of these meat and potato uh, answers that need – questions that need answered to in our podcasts. For sure. Cool. All All right, man. Well, I'll see you later. Thanks for the questions and everything, guys. Another good episode. See you next week. See you next week, Hunter. Visit our title sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises, on Twitter to be part of their signed merch giveaways done every week this week. Make sure you jump on and grab that. Get your chance at that Juju jersey. Good luck, Steeler Nation. Awesome giveaway. Just go to their Twitter page and, you know, Total Sports ENT. Retweet it and you're entered. That's easy as that. Comes out tomorrow. You'll know if you won that jersey or not. Also check out their shop at Total Sports ENT, www.tseshop.com. You two can get great, unique, awesome t-shirts on the SteelerNation.com gear page, like my six-pack of Lombardis for Steeler Nation. Go to SteelerNation.com to pick up this excellent shirt, whatever size you want. Give it as a gift for the holidays. Wear it to your virtual tailgates. Take it to a game if you're one of the lucky few. That's the way to show your pride and your Steeler Nation pride is at the SteelerNation.com gear page. SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steelers content on the internet. Click the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews, which we just did one with Avery Williamson. Highly, highly recommend it. The uh, vidcast of that is really blowing up over 7,000 views yesterday. So come on over and that's the way so you can see them. If you want to see the YouTube, that is our YouTube channel www.youtube.com slash C slash Steeler Nation. Tweet us at Steeler Nation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the Steeler Nation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast and Instagram at Steeler Nation podcast. Follow your host G Striker on Twitter and Instagram at SN Striker. Striker spelled with a Y. Thanks for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, with Hunter Homestack, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!